It's show 146 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Marilyn Kamuru of eManage Africa and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Summer's half over, and that means the O'Neill Partner Conference is just around the corner. This event will be held in Huntington Beach, California, September 18th through 20th. If you're an O'Neill Partner, you cannot afford to miss this event. And based on what I've heard, this conference will be the best one yet. There's still time to get a room and register for this important event. I noticed yesterday that the conference is almost 60% sold out, so don't miss it. You can learn more about it by visiting O'Neillsoft. .com. We're back. Yep. Back to give you the best weekly learning you can get in the RIM industry. So let's get to it, shall we? Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Yep, yep, yep. It's me and we're back. Thanks for coming back to join us on the show after a month of being quiet. Becky and I and our family took a vacation to Canada in July. We had a cottage on the shores of Lake Huron. It was a great way to recharge the batteries. I hope you've also done this same and will be in the weeks ahead if you haven't already. Now, if you're not here in the Northern Hemisphere, you're dealing with a completely different set of circumstances. I hope in whatever you're involved in, in whatever you're dealing with, you are living your life in an amazing and incredible way this time of the year. Speaking of amazing, my guest today is amazing written all over her. Marilyn Kamuru is the managing director and founder of eManage Africa, a RIM services company headquartered in Nairobi, Kenya. I met Marilyn earlier this year at the prison conference and was incredibly impressed with her story. So we're going to talk to her on the show today. But before we do, let's get caught up on all the latest industry news. There's been lots of interesting stuff happening in July. Where to start? Where to start? Okay. Brambles announces plans in early July to demerge recall. It looks like Brambles will list recall as a holding company called Recall Holdings on the Australian Securities Exchange. Eligible Brambles shareholders will receive new shares in recall proportionate to their existing Brambles shares. Brambles itself will not retain any shares in recall following the demerger. Doug Pertz will continue as Recall CEO and be an executive director of Recall Holdings. So that's a pretty big news there. Hard to have missed this one too, but Iron Mountain and Shredded USA agreed to pay $1.1 million to settle a lawsuit that alleged they defrauded the U.S. government by failing to shred sensitive documents as contractually required. The settlement follows a multi-year investigation by the U.S. Department of Justice triggered by a whistleblower lawsuit suit filed by Douglas Nisley, owner of Nisley Shredding. A third defendant, Sintas, continues to contest the allegations. The main point of the lawsuit, the three defendants billed millions of dollars to the U.S. government but failed to comply with the shred output size requirements of the GSA contracts. I cannot take time to go into all of it here, so I'd encourage you to check it out yourselves. Now, Nade responded to the lawsuit by confirming that members have an ethical responsibility to fulfill contractual obligations with clients. And I, I just think this is a real important point 
Uh, and depending on how you look at it, there's a lot of different things going on in this whole case. So uh, it's definitely something that has uh, been an important transition point in the industry and uh, look to see how this will all evolve uh, going forward. Win Canton Records Management announced the launch of their new mobile shredding business. While Win Canton has 13 record centers across the UK and Ireland, the mobile business is launching in their Essex location. So congratulations to John Fowler and the crew at Win Canton. Pro Shred has entered an agreement with a new franchisee to operate in the Seattle Tacoma market. This is uh, this Pro Shred franchise will be the fourth location on the West Coast and will represent the 24th location for Pro Shred. Natalie LaBerge will be the new owner of the Seattle Pro Shred franchise. So congratulations to Natalie and Pro Shred. On another note, here in the U.S., WellPoint, a managed healthcare company in Indianapolis, has agreed to pay the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services $1.7 million to settle potential violations of HIPAA privacy and security rules, which reminds all of us who serve as business associates to be extra cautious, have more rigid security systems and processes as next month, September 23rd to be exact, liability for many of HIPAA's requirements will extend to business associates. So it's high time to be sure we're looking after security, we're looking after uh, contractual obligations, all of the stuff that the last month has reminded us of. I've given you the biggest items. If you have any news you want to share with me, let me know so I can share it here on the show. All righty. I'm going to get Marilyn Kamuru on the line. Hold tight while I do. Marilyn Kamuru is the founder and managing director of eManage Africa, a rim services company in Kenya. It is a great honor to talk to her today across the uh, across the globe, actually. Uh, Marilyn, are you there? Yes, I am. Great to be here. Yeah, welcome to the Rim Pro Report. Uh, I, I'm I'm really excited to have you here. We met at Prism. Uh, a few months ago and learned a little bit about your story, but I want to dig into it a lot more. So tell me about eManage Africa. Tell me a little bit about the, the kind of company you are, the services, the geography you serve, and a, and a bit about the size of your staff and kind of kind of give me a, a bird's eye view of eManage Africa. Okay. Well, it's great to be here and it was wonderful meeting you at Prism. I've been listening to your show for uh, the last seven years since I started, so it's been really good. Um, eManage was started in 2006. I moved back from uh, Massachusetts to start the company in Nairobi, Kenya. And we've been uh, providing just a range of records and information management services, so records management consulting, record storage, the traditional box storage, as well as, um, you know, tape storage, backup tape rotations, and some digitization and file room outsourcing. So um, having the client site remain and then we provide the records management software and staff to manage active records on file. Um, and we've been doing that for the last seven years in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, we've got clients who've got records beyond uh, Kenya, and for them we've generally been doing the consulting services, and oftentimes we'll go and do projects on site as well. Uh, so we're looking forward to expanding into the region, um, hopefully in the next uh, couple of years. Well, before we get back into the business, and thank you for sharing that, you mentioned that you just you moved back in 2006. So tell me your own story. Take me back to the place you grew up in and then the steps of your personal life and career. This sounds interesting to me. 
Well, I actually, I was born in Kenya, um, okay. and I grew up in Kenya. Uh, we've lived uh, in Canada. My family moved to Vancouver, Canada for a couple of years when I was younger. So we were there for about three or four years, um, not very long, and then moved back to Nairobi. And in 1988, my father was posted to the United Nations in New York, and um, the whole family moved to New York, um, to New Rochelle, New York, actually. Um, and so I was um, in New York from 1988 to 2005, actually. So a long time. Okay, so you're, I, and I'm, I'm very glad to hear you spent a couple of years in Canada because that that is probably why I like you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. One of the most beautiful places I've been. Yeah, but okay, so 2005, uh, you make a decision to leave the U.S. So uh, it looks to me, I looked at your bio, uh, you, you're you're a practicing lawyer in the U.S., and you make a decision yes. to go back to Kenya to start a record center. Uh, that's There's a whole lot of story there, so tell me more. Um, well, I, I, I'm sure you all remember the Sarbanes-Oxley period where we, were, we just had the, the focus on uh, compliance and on records management, which was great for the industry in the U.S. Um, and as a lawyer, it was one of the areas that I was tasked with. I was uh, working for Bright Horizons Family Solutions, which is one of the leading childcare providers in the U.S. And we had uh, operations in all the states and had, you know, huge record volumes. So I was looking at this area and, you know, started as part of my work and then increasingly was just interesting to me. So I found myself doing a lot of research and figuring out, my gosh, this is an enormous amount of money and what do we pay for and the more I understood the business, the more I thought this is just a fantastic business. Hmm. Um, I really understood it from the compliance perspective. Yeah. And um, I absolutely loved the business and I wanted to get in. And I was in the Northeast, which was completely saturated. I'd watch the Iron Mountain trucks drive by all the time. Yeah. So um, there was really no room there. And uh, I, I sort of said, well, you know, it would have been nice, but uh, not really. And I just couldn't drop the idea. Um, and finally, I thought, wait a second, you know, there's this other place I come from. What does the business look like there? And it was virtually non-existent in Kenya. And uh, that's where the idea was born. You know, maybe I could actually pull this off. Okay, so that that's that's an amazing thing. But still, you're working as a lawyer in this, this large corporation. And the idea, people have ideas every day you actually did something about it. So tell me sort of how you decided to go from an idea to actually moving yourself to Nairobi and starting this thing. I mean, there's, there's probably, there's probably days of story in there, but give me the highlights. Well, I mean, I guess you're right. Uh, you know, having the idea is one thing. Um, it helps to be a lawyer. So what did I do? I just researched the idea to death. I mean, mm. I knew frankly, almost everything about this. I read as much as I could. You know, I'd take pictures of the Iron Mountain trucks and, you know, of any record storage business that I could find. And and, and I just did as much as I could. At the time, Arms was big in, um, in the Northeast, and I went yep. there. So I just did as much research as I could. And once I felt like I really understood the business, I tried to figure out what was available in Kenya. Um, and, you know, I, I still had family. My, my parents were had moved back, and so they were here. Um, they weren't very enthusiastic, but, you know, they, they'd help out a little bit. 
And and then I finally just got to a point where, you know, I remember saying to myself, there isn't anything else about this business that I'm not going to find out unless I do it. Right. So I just, I had to just jump. I was lucky to have a very supportive husband. So um, he said, okay, fine, we'll move. You go first. Um, <laughs> I had a three-year-old son. Um, so my three-year-old son and I moved first and my husband joined us about six months later. And so did you have the, the, once you moved there, did you then have access to, did you, did you go out and start selling clients or had you already done some of that pre-work? So you had some, some kind of momentum or you, you arrive, you move back to, to Kenya and you just start, start at it. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of, of technical details in this business that include making sure you've got racking systems and in a building and vehicles and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, that that process itself can sometimes take a year to get going. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should have talked to you before I started. So <laughs> I didn't do um, much of that until I got here. So when I got here, I started to register the business. Um, I tried to register the business. And in fact, I got here in November and didn't get the business registered until January of 2006. So that was my first big learning experience, you know, um, not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> so um, it was it was really slow. But it also was um, a great realization that I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have done any more from the U.S. Right. I had done as much as I could from the U.S. I now needed to be on the ground. Right. So for about four months, we were in an office space until I found a suitable facility. And then I, I got a great uh, landlord um, because we wanted to rent our facility to just manage our costs initially. And I couldn't uh, afford racking, you know, I couldn't afford to import racking. Right. So we had custom built racking. Um, and and so we started from there. I just sort of, I figure out, okay, um, what are the minimal requirements? And um, make sure that we, we get those. So we'd raise our racks and everybody would tell me, you don't need to raise them. All the racks are always on the ground, you know. And I'd be like, no, I have to raise them in case there's a flood. And they're like, there are no floods in Nairobi. But I'm like, listen, we just need to do it this way. So that's that's how we just got started. We just did a little bit at a time. Wow. So what were some of the early birthing and growing pains you faced as you started to grow this tiny little business that, that you have, you know, the seed was planted in the U.S., you make the trip back to Kenya, you move yourself back there and your family uh, and you're you're into this thing. You know it's going to work. You know you know you have a system. You've figured it all out, but you've got to do it. What were some of the early things you hit that you went, "Wow, what am I doing this for?" Um, well, the biggest one was entrepreneurship is really not something that's highly valued in Kenya. Huh. Um, it's changing a little bit, but it really wasn't. And um, I found myself in the very odd position where it was. Um, you know, better to admit to being a lawyer than to being an entrepreneur, you know, um, I wow. was sort of, yeah, you know, you think sometimes as a lawyer, you're way down on the totem pole. And um, apparently, uh, being an entrepreneur is a little worse um, in Kenya. Wow. As I said, it's changing, but it really was very bad at the time. Yeah. So in the beginning, frankly, people bought the fact that I was um, a lawyer, um, who had a very credible background and had, um, a valid, you know, experience, and that was the basis on which they trusted that we could do what we were promising to do, not because I was an entrepreneur who had invested in this business, 
So I found that I was actually selling, you know, Maryland, not um, Imanage Africa for a little while. And, and that was not what I'd expected. So that was a little hard for me. Hmm. Um, and then sales didn't come naturally to me. So it was, you know, if I had to do anything over again, I would certainly have taken a couple of sales and marketing classes before I started. And I found, you know, that was um, that was a process. Um, I'm one of those people who just likes to roll up my sleeves and get to work. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, convincing people to buy something, and, and it was so clear to me, you know, so being able to step back and, and walk people through the process was a little difficult. Um, but, you know, um, eventually I, I got over it. <laughs> um, lots of heels later, um, wore through quite a few heels, trying to get myself to every office I could in Nairobi. So is the business culture there one that's predisposed to think in terms of uh, significant information management? Uh, was it was it an easy sell to say, you've got archival records, we can store them for you? Or was it really evangelism work? Was it uh, was it trying to actually convince them of a, a way of thinking? It was evangelism. We really had to change the thinking. We were really lucky in that our first client was uh, was a a branch of a bank that's based in South Africa. So they were familiar with outsourcing and oh, with okay. off-site storage. So uh, that was really the the sweet spot. And, and we were very fortunate that they, you know, um, they found us plausible and that they took a chance on us. I mean, they were our first client and um, they've, they've not regretted it, but um, they were really the, the ones that made us seem credible to the market because once we could quote them, then people understood, okay, so this isn't some, you know, harebrained idea, but something that makes a little, uh, that might deserve a little more time and makes sense. Yeah. So is, was the real, the birth of the business and the early years really focused on uh, hard copy physical record storage? Is that where it really uh, began? Yes. And, and, and frankly, that's where we, we still are spending a lot of our time. Um, in fact, the PRISM conference really just was was real impetus for us to, to sort of expand our service offerings. But, you know, paper records remain far and wide, the vast majority of the records um, that are created in Africa. And so it, it's still a sizable chunk of the business. Um, the challenge is that the compliance uh, regime is not as strict. Enforcement isn't, you know, it's very lax. Right. So, you know, whereas in the States you can really sort of um, cow companies to to use off-site storage because of the compliance. Right. In Kenya and in many countries in Africa, compliance is like, you know, what are they going to do? And it's true. <laughs> there isn't much that they do. So you really find that you're trying to approach companies that are interested in best practice, that are already market leaders. Hmm. And so they're just going to maintain certain standards because that's who they choose to be. Um, and that's great company for us. Yeah, yeah. So you've been at this seven years now. Uh, when along the way, because obviously it took some time to get this going and you had to wear out a whole bunch of shoes to get in front of enough people to find the ones, uh, you got some 
you know, you got that big bank you talked about that gave you credibility. Was it then that you knew that you were going to be okay? Because the entrepreneurial journey I've heard is one of sort of, uh, and I've been involved in it for all my life, but this entrepreneurial terror that takes over uh, on a regular basis, when did that subside a little bit? What what event was there that, that you finally went, oh, I think we're going to be okay? Honestly, PRISM. Um, just, you know, just PRISM a couple of months ago. Wow. That's when I was like, okay, um, this is going to be fine. This is going to be okay. You know, it's seven years on, but if you, if I looked at my, which I did um, in preparation for this, looking at my business plan um, that I prepared it, and when we started in 2005, this is where I expected to be in year three. You know, um, I didn't allow for the time it takes to educate a market yeah. so that they can understand the need for and the value of our of our services. So um, it just as recently as this year, I thought, okay, deep breaths. I think it's going to be okay. Um, not to relax, but just, you yeah. know, this wasn't the wrong bet. Yeah. So as you've you've got that renewed confidence, what are some of the big challenges you face in growing this from here? Uh, it sounds like it's been, you know, it's not like a, a market that already understands this. You don't have compliance supporting you. Uh, it sounds like you've got some good clients, but uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you anticipate, you know, getting to what you considered to be year three, but getting to year five and year seven in your plan what's going to get you there and what's maybe holding you back? Well, um, I've been fortunate to have a really great team um, and we have people who've been on our staff for a fairly long time. So that's one of the things that, that I'm confident is going to help us get where we're going. Although we will certainly need to deepen our the expertise that we have. I'm, I'm currently looking to just strengthen the management team to, to help with our expansion plan. I think the big challenge for us is really just um, it's expansion capital and um, especially to just get some deeper traction in terms of sales and marketing, hmm. you know, educating, you know, one at a time. I can't, you know, it's a little Jehovah's Witness knocking on doors. It's not really the most effective way. Um, it's helpful in the beginning because you learn so much and, and that really helps you craft a strategy. We now have, I think, the elements for that strategy and are able to roll that out on a much larger scale. So that's one of the things that we'll be looking at is um, how to replicate this across markets, um, Mm. both within Kenya and across the region. Um, And and then we're also looking at people entering the market. Um, There are new players, especially from outside the region, looking at Africa and looking at Kenya in particular. So the challenge is that the, there's um, greater impetus. Um, we don't have the laxity to just grow at our own pace right. since we have um, new competition. Yeah. Right. But it's also just an amazingly exciting time. We've gotten more more attention in Africa. Just um, internationally, we're just starting to get a little more attention, and there's a a greater inward focus. I think. I, I mean, for us as a as a Kenyan company, there's um, increasingly uh, an awareness that, you know, it matters to do business with, with local businesses. And um, we're finding that, you know, luckily enough that we're, we're a local business that's established enough that's able to get business um, simply because we've, we've invested locally and, and we're showing a commitment to the region. So, 
Oh, that's very cool. And, you know, you you are in what, you know, so many people listening to this show were dealing with 25, 30 years ago here in North America, uh, that sense of being a pioneer in this business. But a, the, the pioneers um, have, you know, have really done some amazing things in terms of their local marketplaces. Uh, if if they're still if they haven't been acquired yet, but I mean, there's so many good things that come out of being the pioneer. Yeah, you have to do a lot of the heavy lifting for other people sometimes, but in the end, you you have built and established a, a business and a reputation for yourself that is significant in a marketplace, and that's that's very cool. Well, thank you. I mean, it, it is interesting speaking to pioneers. I, I had uh, the wonderful opportunity to speak with Mr. Pearson while I was in Pennsylvania. And, you know, he talks to me about how his father had records in the garage in the beginning. And, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, that was the closest I'd gotten to sort of what the experience was like in Kenya. So it was very affirming to yeah. hear, you know, um, that that sort of link back to, OK, it's possible. You can come from that far and, you know, have a business that that can grow. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So how has your training in the legal profession helped you? Uh, it, it seems like it, it was your calling card early on in the business, but now that you've established a, a more solid reputation in the community, how has your legal way of thinking, the training you've had there, helped to shape and grow the business? Um, well, you're a very positive person. I like that. How has it helped me? It's also hampered quite a bit. Oh, really? It's helped in, in just sort of the analytical thinking. Yeah. Um, being careful about risks. I'm very cautious just by nature. I always think of the downside. So in some cases, I'm, you know, people are very confused because, you know, they expect entrepreneurs to be very optimistic. And in some case, you know, in, in one case, I'll be very optimistic and then I'll, I'll sit back and I'll say, okay, managing the downside risk. And I'll just sit there and go through, you know, really the worst case scenario. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's helped it hampered. At this stage, I'd actually say it's not so helpful. Um, you know, I'm sometimes I think maybe just missing it. I go through a contract with a fine tooth comb and, you know, my business development guy will be like, you know, I think we could really let that go. And, <laughs> and it'll be me, you know, sort of being a legal nitpicker. Right. You know? So in some ways, it's sort of one of those things that I want to just put on the back burner now. Um, yeah. It helps in strategic thinking and in managing risk. Um, but for the most part, I, I like to just think of myself now as a business person. Good for you. I, I love that. And um, that's that's great to hear. So what has been the biggest surprise you've experienced in the, the founding and growth of the business? I, I mean, you've had lots of struggles. You've had lots of other stuff. Uh, and you're sitting here seven years later feeling pretty good. But is there a surprise you've had along the way that, that really was unexpected to you? The, the responsibility that comes with running a business. Hmm. Uh, in many cases, we tend to romanticize, you know, the entrepreneurial journey. And it is an amazing journey. But at a certain point, you know, you look around and you're thinking, oh, my God, all these people's families depend on our business surviving. Right. Right. And, you know, every so often, you know, just your stomach just does these flips and you're <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's not just me anymore. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, it's just you. Right. And you're proving yourself and your idea. And then you have a team and they depend on your executing and you're making sure that this is a sustainable business. Right. So that's 
um, that was a huge surprise for me. Um, you know, it would seem obvious, but frankly, it just really wasn't. Um, and then I think also just the focus and the discipline that's needed. You know, you, you imagine that's generally in the beginning, but after a little while, it's um, very easy to see all these other opportunities, um, you know, sort of related to your business and sometimes not. But it's very easy to get distracted, and um, it it was uh, it was a big surprise to me how how easy it was even for me to get distracted. I think of myself as a fairly disciplined person, and you know I I wander off a little bit on ideas and <laughs> you have to say okay come back come back. That's that's called <laughs> you know? entrepreneurial ADHD. Oh, is it? Yeah, and I hope they have a pill for that. Yeah, I, I, could, I, I, I don't, I don't think they do, but it's it's one of the things that. You know, it's so easy to get you, you, you kind of I, I think we get bored of our businesses and it's very easy to kind of go looking for, you know, that that thing outside of us that will bring new and renewed energy and life to us sometimes. And it's very hard to kind of come back. But uh, though that's that's really that's really interesting. I, I love the notion of romanticizing the the journey that that this entrepreneurial and, and business development thing is. And in reality, when it comes right down to it, it's it's a lot of slugging every day. It's it's in the trenches trying to make this business work and supporting the people and right. staying focused and disciplined to get there. So what's on the horizon for you business-wise? What's coming next? It sounds like just at the recent PRISM conference, you you kind of came away with some renewed ideas about the services you're offering, but, but give me a sense of the future. Um, well, what's coming next? We're, uh, we're growing internally. We're just strengthening our team um, in preparation for expansion. Uh, as I said, we're, we're now really looking at East Africa and the region um, much more aggressively than we were before. And, um, and, and also just looking at, I, I'm not sure if you know, but in Kenya, we just had an election this year and, and we have a new devolved system of government. So similar to the U.S. and the States. And that creates new business opportunities for us that just were not in existence last year. Right. So, um, there's just a very new, um, market. There's just also a vibrancy in the region that is palpable, frankly. Wow. Um, and, and I think the other thing that PRISM did for me is, is it really just opened my eyes about um, where Africa was in terms of an emerging market in this industry vis-a-vis the mature markets. And, and I saw that gap a little more clearly. You know, it's, it's a little hard to see things sometimes when you're right in them. Yeah. So we're really looking at expansion. That's, that's our focus. And, you know, I'm hoping in a couple of years that when you speak to us, we'll have a bricks and motor presence and the four corners of the continent. Wow, that's so cool. So if you could go back to 2006 when you first arrived and set up, what would you do differently knowing all you know today? Hmm, what would I do differently? Well, I would certainly join PRISM. <laughs> right, right early, um, okay. I would have joined PRISM earlier, yes. You know, in the beginning, you, you're sort of pinching pennies and you think this isn't very helpful, but I would have done that earlier. Um, I think PRISM is, is more global now, so perhaps it's, it's also different, but it would certainly have been a great value add. Right. I would have taken a sales and marketing course. I, <laughs> um, I definitely would have taken a sales and marketing course and, and sort of beefed up those skills. Yeah. Um, and I would also have probably bought more books. One of the worst things about coming back to Kenya was I couldn't afford 
to buy books. <laughs> um, they were just ridiculously expensive, and that's what I do in my downtime. Uh. And we have no public libraries. So um, that was one of the things that just really made my um, my return very difficult. Um, so I, I found um, a couple of people who sort of had lending libraries that they ran, you know, sort of personally. But, you know, it sounds like a small thing, but that was actually very, very painful for me um, moving back. So what kind of books do you read? Are you a fiction reader? I do. Um, I used to be entirely fiction until a couple of years ago. I've been both fiction and non. Um, so... I'm reading Lean In um, right now by Sheryl Sandberg, and I just finished um, Bring Up the Bodies by Hilary Mantle, which is just a fantastic book. Um, so so I'm, I read all over the place. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So... Let, let me say this as, as we end this call, because we've uh, run through all of the time we have, but uh, you are a superhero. Uh, you are uh, what all of us you know, aspire to, which is uh, doing big, big, amazing uh, moves, uh, making decisions that are life-changing and uh, putting your stake in the ground and building a really cool business. And, you know, it, as as someone, I, I think when you and I initially interacted about this, you said you had nothing to share. And I, I have to tell you that you have everything to share. You are what we love in as entrepreneurs is seeing other people do amazing things and stepping out and doing amazing work. And so it doesn't, doesn't to me ultimately matter how many boxes you have in your building, uh, it, what matters is you, you've done some amazing work and, uh, and, and built a business and, and now there's other families that you support and, um, it's, it's a, such a cool thing and you are an inspiration to me, your inspiration in, in what you're doing in the, in your, um, your world. And, uh, I want to, I want to keep in touch and I want to hear how things go with you because, um, I, I'm, I'm deeply and, uh, completely uh, excited about you and your story and where you're going from here. So, so thank you for sharing it with us and thank you for, uh, for doing what you do every day. It's, it's great work. Oh, thank you so much. It's, um, it's a pleasure to be on the show. I mean, as I said, we listen to this show all the time at eManage, so it's, it's fantastic to be on. Um, and, and thank you for helping me remember the journey. You know, there are all these things that I'm remembering from, from being on the show, and, and I wouldn't if, if I didn't have this opportunity. So it's a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, keep us posted on what happens, and uh, we'll keep everyone else posted as well. So, so thanks for talking. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Isn't that a great story? I want to thank Marilyn for going out of her way to make sure we could talk today with the time zone changes that uh, we had to make happen. Uh, I'm really grateful that Marilyn took the time to share with us her story. And special thanks to you for hanging out with us as well. I'd love to hear from you if you have any unique angle of service you're offering, if you got a cool story, and there's just something you want to let the industry know about. Finally, let me say that this show has been sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. 
What continues to impress me about this company is not just their dedication to making sure they've got a great product, uh, they've got great customer support and service, but the focus they continue to have on developing not for where you are today, but for where you'll need to be down the road in your future. They're, they keep working at that. They keep focusing on what's going to happen and how they can build a product to support you in your rim service business for your future. And if you're interested, you can learn more about them and what they do at O'NeillSofta.com. That's it for us. Hope you have a great week. We'll check back next week. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.